Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. You want only to eat the parts that are more palatable to you. And there are some things in the Bible that are harder to swallow than other parts. But all of it is God's Word, and shame on any of us who try to either add to the Word of God or subtract from the Word of God. Legalism and liberalism are both wrong, and God says, I'm going to judge you for it. You don't tamper with the Word of God. You may not like it always, but it is always good for us, because it is always God's gracious good Word for us. As Christians in our current culture, we see people adding and subtracting from the Bible all the time. Whether it's leaving details out to be seeker-friendly or adding interpretations to assert more control, God's Word is being manipulated all the time. Today, Pastor Gary explains that the Bible was breathed into life by God and nothing in it should ever be changed. His Word was given to you as a complete entity to help guide you in your walk with Him. Treat it with this reverence and grow closer to God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. And you know, when man sinned against God originally in the Garden of Eden, then God pronounced a curse. He cursed the serpent, he cursed the woman, he cursed the man. And uh, when he cursed the woman, he said, you shall now experience pain in childbirth. When he cursed the man, he said, now your labor shall be intensive and often feeling unproductive in the process of all your work. And in the process of the curse, too, God says there's now going to be friction between the two sexes. And so there's and then the ultimate curse was death, because when they disobeyed God and they deliberately ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said to them, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Literally, the dying process begins. So death entered the human race. It's a part of the curse. It's a part of sin that that mankind um, incorporated into our being, and it became a soul issue, it became a spiritual issue um, that was handed down to every successive generation. Thus, the reason we get, you know, eventually die is because we're, you know, still under that curse. But Jesus broke the curse and offers us eternal life. And so uh, that's, you know, Paul would write about that in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 10. He says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. 
You know, you and I cannot fulfill all the letter of the law. We are lawbreakers by nature. And then our best efforts, we don't measure up. So there's this futility and it's the result of being under the curse. But then Paul goes on to write and he says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And so he brings in the whole idea, thus we cannot work our way to heaven because you can't obey the law well enough to deserve heaven. But he adds there, but thanks be to what Jesus did, we can have access through faith in his finished work. And that's why he goes on to say there in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so, you know, this is, when, when we read here about, you know, being delivered from the curse, This is the restoration of all things because mankind uh, brought himself under the curse, under the wrath of God by being lawbreakers. And and yet when we receive Christ by faith, he's the one who took the curse for us by dying on a cross. and, And therefore, the curse now has no more power over us. And so that's why John writes there and there shall be no more curse. No more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And then the next sent, the next verse, verse 4, and they shall see his face. You know, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he said, Now I see but in a glass darkly. In other words, now I look into a mirror like, like it's foggy. I can't, I can't see everything. I can't know everything this side of heaven. So he says there, now I see, but in a glass darkly, but then I shall see face to face. But there will come a time when we will actually see the Lord face to face. And he says, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So some kind of tattoo, some kind of mark that forever identifies us with the name of God as belonging to the Lord. And then there in verse 5, we talked about this before, there's no reference to sun, there's no more need for moon, that God himself will be the light, and, um, and we shall reign with him forever and ever. So, you know, no more nighttime, no more sleeping, no... If the earth is rotating on its axis, it, it, we don't turn away from the sun at any point because the glory of God fills the place, and so we, there's never any darkness. But you won't need to go to bed. You won't need sleep. You won't. And by the way, we're going to see here in a moment about part of the, the tree of life offers fruit. You know, you don't need to sleep and you don't need to eat, but there will still be eating in heaven. But now it's just going to be for enjoyment and it, and it, and it, you won't need it for sustenance. It's just going to be completely for pleasure and it won't ever affect, you know, body image. So it's going to be a wonderful day. So verse six, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And I, I like that because... You know, what, when you read what we just read, it's almost with disbelief we read some of these things. And, and I'm not saying that like a lack of faith. I just mean when you read the description of this incredible city and the glory of God being present and streets of gold and, you know, this clear, crystal clear, pure river running down, the, the, the thought of it is almost just we were like almost in disbelief, like this is just too amazing to even grasp. And so John says there, listen, these words are faithful and true. Trust me on this. 
I'm telling you, if, if, you're, if you're wondering, like, is all this true? I just want you to know, yes, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, now Jesus interjects here. These are his words. If you have a Bible with red letters, this is him speaking now. Behold, I am coming quickly. And there's that phrase that is repeated three times in this chapter. I am coming quickly. Now, that does not necessarily mean soon, you know, because you could read this and say, well, it's been like 1900 years, almost 2000 years since John penned these things. Is John a liar or what? I mean, he hasn't come quickly. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's coming soon because God, you know, the measure of time is different between us and the Lord, but it means suddenly. The language indicates, and, and that's all through the Bible. When it talks about his second coming, it talks about he's going to come like a thief in the night, like suddenly, unexpectedly. That's what he means here about quickly. And then he adds, Jesus says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophets of this book. If you'd circle or highlight, if you have an electronic Bible, the word blessed, blessed. And it literally means, oh, how happy. The Greek word is makarios. Oh, how happy. And what's interesting is when you add it up, and I haven't been pointing it out throughout our study in Revelation, but when you add it up, there are basically seven beatitudes in the book of Revelation. You remember when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he shared eight beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are, and he gave a promise to each of the different groups that he was, you know, blessing. And In the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was saying was, oh, how happy are those who are poor in spirit or whatever whatever it was that he was addressing there. When you get to the book of Revelation, you read seven Beatitudes, and I'm just going to skim through these things with you uh, because the last two of the seven are here in the book of Revelation. Here's the first one in Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed are those who read, hear, and keep what is written in Revelation. And it says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. And so, you know, sincerely, there's a blessing in in me reading it. And when you read it yourself, there's a blessing when you hear it. You know, you're here hearing this. Uh, God just says that there's an intrinsic blessing for those who read it, hear it, and keep what is written in the book of Revelation. Here's the second one. In chapter 14, verse 13, blessed are the believers who are martyred during the tribulation. That verse says, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Number three, Revelation 16, 15, blessed are the believers on earth during the tribulation who keep themselves pure while they wait and watch for the return of Christ. In chapter 16, verse 15, we read, Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So that whole idea of garments is the reference of being clothed in the righteousness of the Lord. So don't, you know, don't despise his righteousness. Don't be living, you know, wickedly or immorally because there's a blessing for those who during the tribulation period, they get saved, they become believers, and then they live in a pure way while they wait and watch for the return of Christ. Number four, 
Number four, blessed are believers who will celebrate with Jesus at the wedding banquet of the Lamb. This is out of chapter 19, verse 9, that says, Then he said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is after Jesus comes again, right? When he establishes his kingdom on earth for a thousand years, there's his blessing for those who have joined him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Number five, blessed are those who have part in the first resurrection and who will reign with Christ during the millennium. This is chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And then the last two of these seven Beatitudes, these, these specific statements that talk about certain blessings in the book of Revelation, number six is found here uh, where we are in, in verse 7. When, when it tells us, blessed are those who keep the words of the prophecy of Revelation. That's verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Oh, how happy we would be. And I'll show you the, the last beatitude when we get to it. But in verse 8, now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshiped before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Now, this is just a natural kind of, you know, impulsive thing that he does. He's like, he's seeing these visions. This angel is giving him this tour, you know, of what is to come. And John just Man, I got to worship somebody. And he falls down at the feet of this angel to try to, to try to worship. It's just kind of this impulsive thing. But look what the angel says, verse nine. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. You know, don't the worship of angels is a demonic thing. The worship and to venerate, you know, People and saints, that is not a biblical thing to do. The only one who deserves our worship and is worthy of our praise is the Lord God Almighty. And we must not worship people. We must not worship angels. We must not, you know, pray to other, you know, saints. And uh, Jesus is the only intermediary for us. He is the one making intercession for us. God is the only one worthy of our worship and praise. And so this is misplaced worship here. But it's just like this impulsive moment with John. He's just like, wow, this is overwhelming. And the angel corrects him. Says, You better get up. Get yourself up. Do not worship me. Worship God. Verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. You know, when Daniel was prophesying, there were a couple of times that God said to Daniel, seal up the words of this prophecy until the end. Now, John is being told here, don't seal this up because the end is near. And verse 11, he who was unjust, let him be unjust still. He was filthy, let him be filthy still. He was righteous, let him be righteous still. He was holy, let him be holy still. I won't play it, but Johnny Cash wrote a song about that verse. It's kind of a cool song. But anyway, it sounds kind of bizarre, though. Let him who was unjust, just let him be unjust. Let him who was filthy, let him be filthy still. Well, what he's saying here is at this point, and this is the closing chapter, at this point, if people have not responded, all right, and they have not surrendered their life to Jesus, then God is saying here, let, let he who is unjust be unjust. There's nothing else that can be done now at this point. Let, let him who is filthy, let him just stay filthy. I mean, I, I've done, he's saying here basically, I've done all I can do, 
And um, he takes any burden off of us that, you know, other human beings are not our responsibility. Every person has to make their own decision, their own choice. And, and yet at, at the end he says, and he who is righteous, let him be righteous. You know, the ones who have chosen, good. And he was holy, let him be holy still. But, but we can't be responsible for other people's decision, unfortunately. Jesus speaks again in verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly. There's the second time he says it. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, again, listen, doing good things don't get us saved. There was only one good thing that was done in order to get us saved, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. We put our faith and trust in his good work, in his finished work. But nevertheless, once we get saved, we want to do good things just because that should be the natural overflow of a walk with Christ. We, we just want to live in a, in a way that would honor him and, and um, would, would do good things. Not because we have to earn God's favor, just because it becomes the overflow of a heart that loves God. And God says to us here, I take note of those things. So those good works aren't going to save you, but those good works will be rewarded. And Jesus is keeping track here. And he says, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Verse verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then here's the seventh beatitude. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So that's the last of the seven beatitudes of, of Revelation from from verse 14 of chapter 22, blessed are those who obey God's commandments, that they might have access, free access to this. And um, again, the mention of the tree of life may enter through the gates into the city. There's no, Nobody's going to be scaling a wall to get in. You, you're going to get in through the gate or you're not at all. And, and those who, who come in have already been judged ahead of time as, as worthy because of what Christ has done. Verse 15, but outside are dogs... Now, don't worry, it's not talking about your pets. For sure, dogs will be in heaven. That's my wish. And we know other animals that will not. But anyway, somebody, by the way, God bless people who send me stuff, you know, who watch online. Some wonderful lady from Wisconsin sent me a book about why I hate cats. It was a great book. I was loving it. It's up in my office. I should have brought it. But anyway, we know where they're going to be. You know, none of that in heaven. There's not going to be any hissing in heaven. Praise God. Anyway, um, that word dogs there is a reference to, that's a euphemism for morally impure. People who are like dogs, morally impure. But outside, in other words, already been cast into the lake of fire are the dogs, the morally impure, and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever it loves and practices a lie. Verse 16, I, Jesus... And interestingly, that is the only time in the whole Bible that you read that emphatic statement, I, Jesus. He never says that anywhere else except here. This is like his, you know, his closing few comments here. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root, notice, and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. How can you be the root and the fruit of the line of David. How can you be both his ancestor and his descendant? But he is. This is Jesus. This is the one who has always been, the self-existent one who is God. So he preceded David. But he also descended from David because when God was born of a virgin, Mary and even Jesus' adoptive dad, though not his biological dad, Joseph, were both descendants of King David. So, So Jesus was able to assume both the 
the biological through, through Mary and the legal right to the throne of David. He is the son of David, but he precedes David. And that's what he's saying here. The bright and morning star, reference to basically like the north star, the one who points the direction for all things. And the spirit and bride say, come. There's the invitation. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. What a wonderful invitation there. In verse 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Look, look, look at how he ends this here. All right. In other words, he's saying to us, there's a high price to pay for tampering with the word of God. There is a high price to pay for tampering with the word of God. And he confronts both directions. If you add to these things, you're going to invite my judgment. If you take away or subtract from these words, you're going to invite my judgment. Now listen, when you add to the word of God, that's legalism. When you subtract from the word of God, that's liberalism. And we see it. We see it even in our day. So there are some people who have a very legalistic bent towards the word of God. They want to impose upon you standards that are higher than what God even says. That somehow if you, if you live even more righteously and fulfill certain rules and regulations, that then you'll be even more righteous. But people who live like that are legalistic and they're adding things to the Word of God. They're, 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 they're expanding upon the commandments and making it harder and more burdensome for you to live in ways that God didn't even command you to live. That's legalism. You know, it's, it's the, you know, I used to get this from, from people who have Baptist backgrounds. People would sometimes ask me, you know, can, is it okay for Christians to dance? Because people with Baptist backgrounds are like, no dance. I mean, serious, fundamental Baptists like, no dancing. No dancing, no going to movies. So people, you know, something like, is it okay for Christians to dance? Can Christians dance? My answer would be, some can and some can't. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some Christians who cannot dance. They should not, they should not even try. But that's the kind of thing. It's like, we can't dance. We can't go to movies. You get, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, you know, there comes some, some things that are reserved for your sanctified conscience that are not necessarily commanded in scripture. But you start adding those as laws. That's legalism. When you subtract from the law of God, that's liberalism. There's a whole stream of liberal theology right now that is sweeping through churches all over the world. And this is when you look at the commandments of God and you start to, what I call, it's, it's selective Christianity. It's like, well, I, I don't really think that that particular thing applies today, so, you know, we're, we're not going to really adhere to that. And this one is a little antiquated, so we're not going to adhere to that one. Before you know it, you know, you, you've treated the Word of God like fish. You've deboned the whole thing because you want only to eat the parts that are more palatable to you. And there are some things in the Bible that are ha- harder to swallow than other parts. But all of it is God's Word, and shame on any of us who try to either add to the Word of God or subtract from the Word of God. Legalism and liberalism are both wrong, and God says, I'm going to judge you for it. You don't tamper with the Word of God. You may not like it always, but it is always good for us because it is always God's gracious good Word for us. Well, at the end here, 
Look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, this is the Lord, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus in Aramaic is Maranatha. And then verse 21, let's let's read this all together and out loud. Verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know